The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Friday, January 12th. Just a quick heads up, we will get back to our normal Monday schedule, but with the new year and some other stuff going on. We've had to sort of move things around, but we will be back to our normal time pretty soon. My name is Chris Crawford. I am joined by my good buddy, Ryan Boyer. We've got some headlines to talk about. There was quite a bit that happened over the last week, but we also, we've been super positive on this show, talking about breakouts and stuff like that. We're going to take some negatives this time. We're going to go on the other side of the spectrum and look at some players who we think might be disappointments for 2024. But let's start with those headlines the Giants got better. Jordan Hicks and Imanaga both join the San Francisco Giants. The most recent one being mm. Jordan Hicks on a four-year, $44 million contract. Imanaga to the Cubs. Yes. That's that is what I screwed up, and I knew I was going to screw up. I was I just you had thought it he was gonna go to the Giants, but he I thought he was gonna go to the weird Giants. Weird contract yeah. with the Cubs instead. See, and this is why they pay you the big bucks is because you correct me when I say absolutely insane things a minute and 10 seconds into the podcast. Jordan Hicks, though, the most interesting thing here is that he is going to be, from all reports, getting to the Giants as a starting pitcher. Four-year, $44 million contract. Ryan, I don't think there's any question this guy has the stuff to start. How excited are you about him from a fantasy perspective as a starter, though? Not terribly. Um, I think we were all surprised to see, you know, Jeff Jeff Passan broke the broke the news about the signing and also that the Giants were going to planning to use him as a starter. I know Hicks is even while he was in the middle of pitching really well last year, has kind of professed the desire to get a shot to start again. So. I, Sure. And he got a he got a nice contract as well for so good for him. Um, the one time they did the Cardinals did try to use him as a starter uh, did not go well. Yes, eight starts in twenty the beginning of the twenty twenty two season, like five and a half ERA walked almost a got a batter per inning. I will point out that the Cardinals told him that he was going to be part of the rotation on like March twentieth. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of a a need-based thing, and he hadn't been preparing as a starter, really, so they didn't really set him up to succeed. Um, and he was a starter during his time in the minors, but right. if you'll recall, it was he skipped from 
a ball all the way to the majors. He just had a great spring training and they decided to put him on the opening day roster as a reliever. Um, but, you know, even with being able to pre- prepare as a starter should theoretically give him a better chance. Yes. Um, he just, I just have a hard time seeing him being able to throw enough strikes to last as a starting pitcher. Right. Um, I mean, since entering the league, Jordan Hicks ranks in the second percentile in strike percentage throwing. And I think last year was like in the 13th percentile. And of course that is, was all as a reliever. Right. Um, Theoretically his control could get, you know, worse as a starter as he stretches out. But, you know, obviously the giants can reverse course eventually and put him back in the bullpen if they need to, they can always, always have that to fall back on. Um, it kind of makes for a wonky fantasy setup in my estimation because he's not going to be a closer. He's going to be a starter who probably at least initially is never going to go more than four or five innings for a long time. Sure. So I, I, to answer your question, not terribly excited for his fantasy prospects. Yeah. At least for me, not uh, to start things out. Right. Because the fact that you bring up the fact that his command has been the biggest issue with him other than, you know, health, by the way, it says that Jordan Hicks is only 27 years old. I find that hard to believe that just doesn't sound right to me because this was a guy who was drafted in, I believe 2006. Um, So I don't understand quite how that math is working out, but there's no question about the stuff. And I like the park fit uh, quite a bit. And I don't doubt that this guy can miss bats as a starter. Is he going to be able to give you enough innings? And is he going to kill you in whip? Because you brought it up. The control has been a major issue for this guy. And usually it doesn't get better when you're a starter. It's not like this is something where um, the change of scenario is going to help his control. I don't see that happening. I would like him in a dynasty format because at his age and if he can, you know, show that he's a starting pitcher, you can get him, I think, for undervalue. I'm probably staying away from him as a starter for this year, but at the very least, it's an interesting thing. It's uh, in, you know, the contract four years, 44 million. Obviously the giants are going to be fine if Jordan Hicks doesn't work out, but I don't think it's a terrible contract if he does have to move to relief because in high leverage, I think this guy can be an extremely positive weapon. We have seen it in the past, but yeah, Jordan Hicks is going to be a starting pitcher I don't think a whole heck of a lot of people saw that coming when the Austin I will say just a, a little addition on the end also. Uh, Hicks gets a ton of ground balls, and mm-hmm. the left side of the Giants infield defensively, as it stands right now, looks pretty awful. Oh, that's a good point. So that's not, not a great setup for him. So just something else to keep in mind. Thank you for your negativity once again, <laughs> Mr. Boyer. Uh, Marcus Stroman going to the Yankees. and Speaking of know, ground balls. Yeah, speaking of ground balls, I think this is a nice little pickup, and I think it's one that makes an awful lot of sense. A two-year, $37 million deal. I immediately had a buddy text me and say, who would you rather have, Marcus Stroman or Luke Giolito? So I want to start with that, Ryan. Of those two, who do you think you would rather have on your roster? Uh, I would rather have Giolito um, just for the strikeout 
difference. Uh, I mean, it could depend on a little bit on roster construction. Sure. If you have like a, uh, a Dylan Cease maybe on your roster, maybe you can pair him with somebody like Stroman or who is more of a, a ratio stabilizer than Giolito is. But I, I think the upside with Giolito is, is higher. So that he would be my pick out of those two. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do think that there is a maybe a higher floor with Stroman, which is funny yeah. to say because of a pitcher who is uh, on the diminutive side. And I think a lot of people just look at the fact that he is a pitcher that is the size of backup point guard of the 1990s. And you think, how is that going to fit in this park? But he actually gets pretty decent extension and he does have a pretty good rate of ground ball uh, success. I think this is going to be a nice little fit. I joked on Twitter that there is not going to be anything okay about Marcus Stroman. No one's going to say, well, that worked out fine or that worked out okay. It feels like it's either going to work out really well or it's going to work out fairly poorly. Which side do you side on? I think it will work out well. I mean, I don't know if you recall from our conversation last week, you had Stroman in your best fits category, and I said the Yankees for him, by the way. He sure did. He sure so did. I – kind of kind of call it um but yeah I, I think he is a good a good fit there they definitely needed another arm um and i think it's probably overblown for the most part about being able to pitch in new york but i mean he has shown that he can pitch pitch there i think he's got the personality to handle it um his career numbers at yankee stadium are not good but i, I don't it's such a small sample size. I don't really read much into it. I, right. Because he gets so many ground balls, he'll, he'll be able to keep the ball in the yard more easily in that with that short porch and, and right field. He's got plenty of experience in the AL East. I, I think he's a, I think he's a good fit. I think it'll, if I'm going back to your original question, if it goes poorly or well, I, I think it'll go well for him. Yeah, and I, I'm rooting for it. I do. Uh, I can't help but wonder how the media stuff is going to work out there. Marcus Stroman is going to, you know, look, he was with the Mets, and not everybody was exactly in love with Marcus Stroman in his time with the New York Metropolitans, but I think it went okay. This is a little bit of a different situation, I think, now, especially with a relatively high contract. But I think Marcus Stroman is built for this. I think he is a guy yeah. who can be. And I, it doesn't make the Yankees considerably better, I think. Like the adding the floor of that as your third starter, which is what I would project him to be at this point, I think is pretty solid. Speaking of pretty solid, Shota Imanaga did not sign with the San Francisco Giants, and anyone who suggests otherwise is an absolute fool. Shota Imanaga lands with the Cubs. It's been one of the more successful starters in Japan over the last couple of years. Uh, and 24 appearances over the two leagues, which is a super confusing thing on baseball reference because they include some uh, different stuff. But a 2.66 ERA over 159 innings. Ryan, we talked a lot about Imanaga to the Giants in that last episode. We both said that that was a great fit for them. That made an awful lot of sense even after the Robbie Ray trade or maybe even because of the Robbie Ray trade. Not in love with Imanaga from a fantasy perspective, but I do think this is a pretty nice fit. Yeah, I think it's solid. Um, it's from a – it'll probably even out-ish from a season-long perspective, but from a DFS perspective, because everybody is saying that he's going to be a huge fly ball guy, it's going to be pretty sketchy on those wind-blowing out at Wrigley days. Mm -hmm. So keep that 
keep that in mind. But I like the stuff. I know uh, our buddy Eno Saris does the stuff plus metric stuff. Has your buddy, not not mine. Go has <laughs> has Imanaga rated very highly. Um, I know that he needs to work on getting the getting the fastball a little higher in the zone, not missing with that four seamer more over the plate. He's going to probably regret that more uh, here in the States than he did overseas. But I think it's a solid, solid fit. And, uh, you know, a fly ball pitcher, but it can't hurt that that Cubs defense behind him is uh, is awfully good. Yeah, absolutely. That's a – they had to, I think, upgrade it. The one thing that kind of disappoints me a little bit here is that it's harder for me to see Caleb Horton um, making a ton of starts for the Cubs next year because of what they have in their rotation. Although, look, not exactly a beacon of health is what would be described as the other names in this rotation either. And his stuff might be so good that he makes that debut anyway. But that was the only thing that I think kind of bummed me out, quote unquote, about this signing. But I think it makes perfect sense for an organization that, look, I think they should be aggressive. I think that they have a real shot here to be a postseason contender in 2024. And I think this is a pretty nice start. Uh, he has a new teammate, teammate too. Uh, Michael Bush was traded to the Cubs along with Yancy Almonte on Thursday. Uh, Bush is really struggled in his limited time in the minor majors. Did not struggle in the minors. Put together some of the best numbers in the PCL. The interesting thing here is that he fits best at first base. And I just wrote an article recently about Matt Mervis' stock down. I think Matt Mervis stock real down now and wondering if maybe he is a trade candidate because I think Michael Bush has a really good shot to make the opening day roster as their everyday first baseman would have preferred maybe Bush hitting for the Dodgers to be honest with you because of the fact that there's just so many guys to drive in there but mm -hmm. I think this is a nice fit and I think you have to say stock up for his dynasty perspective because he's going to get a chance to be an everyday player yeah that I mean the path to playing time is certainly cleared way more than it would have been with the Dodgers. And are we sure that he's, I know he's played some second and third base. Can he play third base I, at all? I mean, I, that should theoretically be quite open as well. I, I suspect they'll at least try him there and see how things look in spring training. I mean, they yeah. can, It's it would be easier. I guess there's a couple third basemen that are still, out of the market now, they could still sign Matt Chapman or maybe a, a Justin Turner. Sure. Um, but yeah, but you know better than I being the prospect guru about whether he could stick at third base, but the Cubs should theoretically have an opening at either spot. But if he does go to first, I mean, him and Matt Mervis, uh, you know, I know Matt Mervis's stock is down, but they were regarded as fairly similar prospects. I mean, everybody was super excited for, Matt Mervis a year ago at this time um, and super excited for when he got promoted to the big leagues. Didn't go so well after that, but yeah, that's, that's definitely dynasty stock down for him. Yeah. I think that's fairly fair. And, and look, because of the fact that look, Michael Bush might be able to play a few different positions. Like he could hold his own at second base, third base, maybe corner outfield, like in a pinch, that type of thing. Matt Mervis is first base and first base only. The only other position he's going to be able to play is designated hitter, and that obviously limits his stock. I'll be curious to see if there's some trade interest in Mervis now. I mean, I, I imagine that there would be because 
yeah, he struggled with the Cubs, but he had another strong minor league season, OPS above 900. I'll be curious to see. And I would imagine that he could be an interesting guy if they wanted to pick up some relief help or maybe just a prospect for prospect trade similar to this one. By the way, Jackson Ferris heading over to uh, the Dodgers in that deal. I think stock up for him because I just trust the Dodgers pitching profiles are their ability sure. to develop pitching a lot more a, a shaky somewhat season in 2023 but i do believe that there's some upside in that arm a chance to be a mid-rotation starter segue to the dodgers again they get richer t oscar hernandez signs a one-year 23 million dollar deal i believe is what it ends up being his only season in seattle was a bit of a disappointment he does hit 26 homers and drive in 93 runs but really struggled in Safeco Field, and I'm going to keep calling it Safeco Field. You can't stop me. Uh, really struggled at home there. Put up pretty strong numbers on the road. I think this is a great fit, Ryan. I think that the fact that he's going to be hitting probably sixth in this lineup, maybe fifth, depending on like when he's against left-handers, maybe he's hitting third or fourth. Either way, the chance for run production for Tiasco Hernandez in this absolutely loaded Dodgers lineup I think this is a great landing spot for him. Yeah, I do too. Um, was surprised he only wound up with a one-year deal. Um, but, you know, from a fit perspective, I think it's fantastic. You, Dodger Stadium has – does it still have the reputation of being a, a pitcher's park? Because uh, certainly as a home run park, it's been very homer-friendly the last few yeah. years. So I think from that perspective, it's a really great fit for for T. Oscar Hernandez. Sounds like he's going to play every day. Um, the Dodgers, for as good as they are, you know, their outfield pre T. Oscar Hernandez was a little iffy. I thought um, it sounds like they're going to platoon in right field with Jason Hayward and um, who they get from uh, Manny Margot, Manuel right. Margot, mm-hmm. and. James Altman in center, obviously, but it sounds like Teoscar Hernandez is going to be the everyday guy in left. And good park, excellent lineup, going to play every day. Even if it's sixth, that's going to present him plenty of RBI opportunities. I I love the fit. Yeah, I do too. And while I was surprised he only took a one-year deal, I think it does make sense for him to say – Here's my one year. I'm going to play for the Dodgers. If I hit to the levels that I did in 21 and 22, I'm going to get significantly more money. By the way, it's worth pointing out that Seattle did not offer Hernandez to qualifying offer, which was around $20 million. So I was glad he got a raise on that for that one year of deal. Of course, there's some deferments in there because, of course, there is. It's the year 2024, and there's going to be deferments with everything. This one kind of surprised me a little bit, at least in terms of the AAV. The other big news is Sean Manaya signing a deal with the New York Mets, a two-year, $28 million deal that does contain an opt-out. The numbers are not great here, but it is worth pointing out that Manaya was much better in the second half of the season, a 3.43 ERA, worked in both relief and as a starter for the Mets. I don't hate it. I think that there is some intrigue here from a fantasy perspective. I'm a little surprised that the AAV was this high. Yeah, I am too. It it, it didn't seem like a – I forget what he – he had a player option or a, an opt-out, and I can't remember what the dollar figure was. But I was I remember being a little surprised that he, he opted out. Um, but obviously it wound up being a good decision for him. More velocity 
last year and also added a sweeper um, that got a lot of whiffs. The Giants just used him really strangely. Like he was used as a starter. He was used as an opener. He was used as a bulk reliever. Like, right. I don't know why they opted to do that. Um, Gabe Kapler, that's just what he likes to do with a lot of his guys. And Manaya fit into that bucket apparently, but you know, he's going to get more stable usage with the Mets. I trust David Stearns's evaluation. If he thought that Sean Manaya was a good fit, I, that makes me think a little bit more highly of him. I will say though, from a fantasy perspective, I think, just reading the comments on Twitter about a lot of people that were super excited about this. I feel like there's probably going to be a guy in my draft, at least one that's going to value Manaya more highly than me. So I don't know how often I'm going to end up with him, but I do like the fit on the whole. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, at that price point, even though I was surprised it was that high, it's certainly worth the risk of seeing if he can be that same starter that he was in the 2020-2021 season. Biggest concern for me here with Manaya is against right-handers, 253, 327, 446. That's not very good. That's a 774 OPS. He dominated left-handed hitters, 570 OPS. And I think that's something you're going to have to be cognizant of going into the year is that if he's facing a lineup that's got a lot of right-handed mashers, I'm probably going to pass. But, you know, when he does face southpaws, he's going to be pretty darn effective with that stuff. All right, that was a lot of headlines to go through, and one of them was – almost inaccurate. Thank you so much, Ryan, for saving my bacon there. We're going to talk about some disappointments, but first we're going to take a very quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. So like I said, we have been super positive. We've been looking at breakout stars. We have been looking at guys who disappointed last year who we thought could turn into uh, the the Cinderella's of the ball, the pumpkin turning into the Cinderella. This time we're going to do the opposite. We're going to be looking at uh, after the midnight clock, uh, and we're each going to take one guy per division. Ryan's going to take the National League. I'm going to take the American League. And Ryan, we're going to start out with a fight because you're going to talk about the NL East and one of my favorite players. I, I when Before we started recording, Chris uh, let me know that we might get into a little bit of a fight because we had a disagreement over one of the guys. And I figured this was probably the guy. <laughs> um, this really is mainly to do with where you're going to take him in his draft. Sure. It's, yeah. it's EJ Abrams. Um, early in NFBC drafts, he's going at 35. Um, men pick at 24. He finished just inside the top 50 in fantasy last year. So you're counting on some improvement there to cash in on his draft stock and that certainly could happen I mean he's what 23 former top prospect I just I'm not sure that the profile is pointing to him making that leap yet or even quite repeating what he did last year he had 18 home runs last year for the Nationals that more than doubled his entire professional career total uh, bad at ball data not good Average exit velocity, 16th percentile. Hard hit rate, 20th percentile. Barrel rate, 35th percentile. He's not really a fly ball hitter. He's not really a pool hitter. So he's not going to not going to have that Marcus Stro- Marcus Stroman, Marcus Simeon thing where he just kind of masters being able to pull the ball down the line for home runs to take advantage of fairly mediocre batted ball data. Against lefties, see at 166, 240, 272. You know, will he stick at leadoff? Um, he batted leadoff exclusively like the last couple months of last season against both righties and lefties. But as bad as those numbers are against lefties, you know, from a Nationals perspective, I think the smart thing to do is to stick him in that leadoff spot and just let him develop because. Sure you're not going to make the postseason, no matter what Mike Rizzo tells you. <laughs> um, so that's probably the smart thing. And I do think that's what they'll do initially. Mm-hmm. Will it last all season? I mean, he's not going to hit for batting average. I don't think between the weak bat of ball data and the the swing decisions, he, he doesn't draw walks. His OBP is just not going to be good for the leadoff spot. I think he'll he's a threat to be moved down the batting order. I think the power probably will come back a little bit. 
the speed was just exploded like around mid season last year. Um, and we know that that's like the best part of his game. Mm-hmm. Um, the stolen base told us, told us for him have never been like super gaudy, but I, I think that's something we can count on continuing, but that, you know, stolen bases beginning, beginning with last year, given the new rules, not as scarce as they used to be. Sure. Um, but this is, it sounds like I'm just completely bragging on CJ Abrams here, but I like CJ Abrams. I just think given where it costs to draft him, I, I would rather have some other guys. Yeah. And I get that from a perspective of like taking him in the third round doesn't exactly enthrall me. It wouldn't shock me at all if he was a top 25 player next year. Like all those numbers you gave me, you you can't debate them. And I will always be concerned about the fact that left-handers are probably going to give him trouble. But I'm actually impressed that he put up those numbers as a 22-year-old. And I keep going back to the fact that like this guy had so little minor league experience before getting yeah. the chance to play for the Padres in 2022 and then has um, the injuries and struggles. But you put together some of the months that he put together, in particular that July. Like that July was like, all right, this guy's got a chance to be a really special player where he hit 327, 391, 500, and stole 16 bases. Stole 16 bases in July, 13 in August, September and October adds another nine, and he was only caught stealing twice. Like, I get it. I And I would not be taking him in the third round. But if he's available in that fourth to fifth round area, I'm all over it. And it will not shock me. And if you're going for stolen bases and you're going for the premium position value, it will not shock me if he lives up to those uh, expertise. It's worth pointing out, C.J. Abrams had lots of bad things to say about St. Louis pizza, and that is why Ryan is going on this tangent. I'm going to go with Randy Rosarina, a former Cardinal, by the way. Did you know that? Did you know Randy Rosarina played for the Cardinals? Slipped my mind. I'm going to take things out on you a little bit because of the Kalen DeBoer news that happened today. So I, mm. I need other people to be as Sorry, buddy. as I am. Uh, Randy Rosarina had a perfectly fine 2023, uh, 2023 season, 23 homers, 22 stolen bases, 789 OPS. I don't think that really tells the story of Randy Rosarina's year or what he really has been. And what you see is kind of what you get. And what you get is a player that is going to cost you weeks and going to hurt you because his inconsistency is maddening. Now, the approach was really good last year. I like that. 12.2 walk percentage, I will take that. But expected batting average of 243, sweet spot only connecting 31.8% of the time, striking out in 29.1% of his plate appearances, striking out in 23.9. 23 and 22 is nice, but like you mentioned with the stolen bases, 22 stolen bases is no longer a special number. And I think people are going to keep drafting Randy Rosarina thinking that he's capable of this 860, 870 OPS type of season and maybe a, maybe even a 40-40 type of season. That's a little bit hyperbolic, but you know what I'm trying to say. 30 homers, 35 stolen bases seem to be within reach. I just kind of think you get what you get with Randy Rosarina, and there are so many more consistent outfielders out there that I would be passing on Randy Rosarina because while the walk rate is nice and, you know, could be changing teams as well, lots of rumors about the Tampa Bay Rays, there's always going to be rumors about Randy Rosarina and everybody else being traded. I just, I'm, I'm kind of out on Randy Rosarina for 2024. Yeah, those are all, all fair points. It's kind of funny that Randy Rosarina, who of course 
burst onto the scene with that ridiculous run in the postseason. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of more of a floor play now. Yeah. Yeah. Like you think of him with that massive upside because he just showed how awesome he could be in short bursts. Sure. But you know, he's been like right at 2020 every year. The inconsistency, as you mentioned, like he's not a guy that if you're in a head to head league, it's he's going to probably cost you weeks. As you mentioned, I have been waiting for kind of the other shoe to drop as far as the stolen bases go, because while he has continued to run, he's done so really inefficiently. Right. I keep waiting for the Rays to tell him, Randy, go hold it, buddy. Yeah, Just stand on first. You're you're not good at picking these spots to run. And if that happens, then like his value really goes down. Yeah. Um, but you know, I still think he's a pretty solid floor play. But I, I do think if anybody is paying for that upside that we've seen from him at times, they could definitely be disappointed. My next guy, we move as we move on to the NL Central, another guy who I think it's more for me, as with Abrams, it's just more of the draft cost. Sure. Um, I'm going to pick Matt McLean of your Cincinnati Reds. I don't know why I said your Cincinnati Reds, but like probably because you love Skyline Chili so much, You've, as you good. say repeatedly on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, Matt McLean, so far, NFBC drafts going to ADP 57, men pick 37. Had a 28.5% strikeout rate with the Reds. If you go back to 2022 at double A, it was over 28%. So there's going to be some swing and miss in his game because of that. And fairly pedestrian batted ball data. I think he really overachieved from batting average perspective. I would not count on that being part of his game in 2024. He did really good against fastballs, but was just absolutely atrocious against everything else. Um, Will that catch up to him? Are pitchers going to start just throwing him junk repeatedly? And can he make that adjustment? You also look at the Reds' infield. I mean, we've said ad nauseum that it's so crowded. It's still crowded. And then they signed Jamie Candelario to make it even more crowded. Nick Crawl is giving every indication that they're going to hang on to Jonathan India. So, you know – there's no question that Matt McLean is going to be an everyday guy at on opening day. Um, if he struggles a little bit, I don't think he's going to be in danger of being demoted necessarily, but will those starts go from six, seven per week to four per week? And, you know, that is, I think a possibility, right? He does have an awfully enticing, safety blanket in great American ballpark. Sure. Like that might be a reason enough to invest in him <laughs> just that by itself. Right. Um, and I think that could cover up some of his flaws, but just where he's, you're going to need to take him in your draft. I think you can find better options much later. Like I will see your Matt McLean and raise you Anthony Volpe, who's could probably be had, 12 rounds later, he has, he has some of the sim- same problems with the strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, great position Anthony Volpe is in with the in the Yankees ballpark. I would rather take a shot on him much later. As I said, I like Matt McClain. 
just don't love the price. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And the other thing with McLean is, is like you take a look at those overall statistics and you're like, well, this may be the floor. May, what the heck is this guy's ceiling? I think that kind of is the floor. I think that's what you're going to get from Matt McLean in his best seasons. And don't get me wrong. That's good. That'll certainly play. But I think there's some chance for some regression here as well. Like because you brought up the batted ball data. There are certainly more exciting infielders that I think you can draft. I think Volpe is a great call too, because I actually was impressed with what Volpe did. I think it's similar to CJ Abrams in that, you know, struggles, sure, but holding his own at that age, I think, is something that we've just been so spoiled, Ryan. We've been so yeah. spoiled with some of the other young numbers. And I think Matt McClain is a solid player. I don't think he's a fantasy star. Uh, this one maybe scratched some heads a little bit, but I'm going to go in the AL Central with Pablo Lopez. And Lopez had a fantastic season. 194 innings, 234 strikeouts, 3.66 ERA. There's nothing here in the metrics that really tells me that like Pablo Lopez didn't deserve those numbers. Other than the fact that I've seen Pablo Lopez pitch the other four years. And look, Pablo Lopez has not struggled to miss bats but he hasn't come anywhere close to this strikeout rate. And I just look at the pure stuff. It's good. It's not great. It is not 234 strikeouts and 194 innings. I also think the twins are going to be worse. So I think there's going to be even less chances for wins only picked up 11. And I'm sorry, you have to talk about it. It is a fantasy statistic as much as I go and knock on the SWA's door every night and say, can we get rid of this thing? It has not worked out so well. I think there's a high floor with Pablo Lopez, but you're probably going to have to draft Pablo Lopez way too high for my liking. And I would expect him to be a good pitcher again in 2023 with some inconsistency, which he even showed in 2023 again. But I would not be drafting him to be my fantasy one. And if you're taking fan Pablo Lopez, you're probably going to have to draft him and start starting pitcher one range. We have some breaking news in the podcast. Chris Crawford hates sweepers. He just <laughs> hates sweepers. Hate Pablo Lopez hate added that sweeper, man. Yeah. Added that sweeper made all the difference in the world. <laughs> I, you know, there's it's unquestionable that Pablo Lopez was a good, not great fantasy option prior to 2023. But if he can repeat that sweeper, man, he just got a completely new pitch that he he needed that breaking ball. He's always had a good fastball, good change up. He figured out that breaking ball, which got whiffs at a almost a 40% rate. Will he have that pitch again when he goes back to the well in 2024? We don't know, but I mean, it's, sure. I, I think he might've just figured out the perfect recipe it is taking a bit of a leap of faith that he can repeat that. And I'm with you that I would rather have him as a fantasy an SP two rather than an SP one. Right. Um, but I think maybe not 234 strikeouts legitimate, but I do think there's a decent chance that he could post another 200 strikeout season. So I'm a little higher on Pablo Lopez, but I, I definitely see the argument that it's a little, it's a little early to be taking him where you're going to have to take him. For sure. I got a, I got a picture for you in the NOS now, and this is 100% completely injury-related here. Yeah. Joe Musgrove, I have zero concerns about his potential performance. 
But NFBC ADP at 109, men pick of 79. Missed the last couple months last season with a shoulder capsule injury. Mm-hmm. And I know the Padres are quote-unquote only saying it's inflammation, but shoulder capsule injuries are pretty darn scary. And Musgrove also hurt his pitching shoulder earlier in the season on a rehab assignment when he fell on it. I don't know that those are necessarily related, but, you know, two shoulder injuries in one year. Again, I I don't have any concerns about him being able to pitch well if he stays healthy, but I just think he's a major question mark right at that 100 spot. Yeah. And the other arms you could get instead around there, just going off of some of the, starting pitchers you could get instead of Musgrove in an FBC drafts going to ride around him, Justin Steele, Dylan Cease, Cole Reagans, Justin Verlander. Hmm. I think I'd rather have all of those guys rather than Musgrove when factoring in the, sure. the injury concern. Um, so it's just not enough of a discount with the, with the shoulder issue for me to pick him right around pick 100. Yeah. And especially shoulder stuff, man. Like, if it was, you know, I don't want, I I would prefer him just to be the beacon of health and have no issues whatsoever, but there's a difference with shoulder injuries. It is very difficult to come back from it, especially, you know, to the exact same level, but it's hard to just come back period. Like shoulders are jerks. Shoulders are words that I'm not allowed to say on this podcast. And so that'd be a major concern for me. I'd much rather have the upside of a Reagans or a Verlander over that, um, wouldn't shock me if he was a, a a strong starting pitcher option, like a top 60 return, that type of thing. But there's just a little too much risk that goes with that reward. Uh, Alex Bregman is my pick for the AL West. And Alex Bregman had another solid season, hit 262, 25 homers, and 804 OPS. And if you're playing in an on-base percentage league, then ignore me because Alex Bregman has one of the very best approaches at the plate. He does not swing at pitches outside of the strike zone. He just doesn't, and he draws lots of walks, and he doesn't strike out. But the contact rates keep getting worse here. Average exit velocity of 88.6 is well below average. Hard hit percentage of 38.2 is well below average. Those are both in the mid-30s. Then he only barreled the baseball 5.4% of the time. Now, it does help that he plays in that absolutely stupid baseball park that he can hit the ball here and then get some homers that are the – I don't know if that Twitter even exists anymore, but I imagine Alex Bregman had quite a few. This would be a homer in one out of 30 parks or two out of 30 parks. But I just am really concerned about the power projection. And I, this is a skill set that obvious, often ages poorly. Now, real life, still pretty good. He's a pretty darn good third baseman, and he's going to get on base. But I don't think he's going to provide the ne- a necessary power production at a position that I actually think is on the rise a little bit in third base. I think there are some better options that I'd be looking at, like a Josh Young and those type of our options. A bounce back a Eugenio Suarez I'd rather have than Alex Bregman at this point. He could have another similar year and be fine. It also wouldn't shock me if Alex Bregman starts regressing pretty hard as he approaches age 30. Yeah, um, it's... He's kind of become that boring yes. veteran third baseman. And you just can't – the heights that we saw him reach when he was – what was he, MVP runner-up a few years back? Right. And, you know, 
that was with the with the rabbit ball in 2019, I believe. Right. And <laughs> just can't count on that anymore. Like you mentioned, he's in a good spot with you know being able to hit those 315 foot home runs into the Crawford boxes <laughs> and in a good lineup, obviously. But yeah, I'm with you that he's just kind of just kind of a boring fantasy option at this point. I mean, do you su- prescribe it all to the walk year theory? Do you think that could give him a little bit of a bump? Ooh, I, I mean, it's, it's impossible to quantify that right. stuff. I mean, maybe it does give him a little bit of a bump, but how do you weigh that in terms of fantasy value and where to take him? Do you take him a little bit earlier? I don't, I don't know that you necessarily can. $30.5 million, by the way, this year for Alex Bregman. That's 15 and a half Shohei Otani's. And that's no 15 and a quarter, excuse me. That is that is a I mean, look, good for him. And he's been a very solid player for them. Just never lived up to that hype. Like he looked like he was on his way to being a superstar. He was a top three fantasy option for a couple of years because of positional value and the fact that he was hitting OPSs around one. Ain't that anymore, and I am concerned about that skill rate. But it is worth pointing out that we have seen bumps. Uh, I used to call it the Beltre, the Adrian Beltre massive year that he had uh, with the Dodgers before signing in Seattle. I think Adrian Beltre did okay after that contract, though. But uh, it is something to at least keep an eye on. Uh, That's going to do it for the World of Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me at Crawford underscore MILB. You can follow Ryan at Ryan P. Boyer. Make sure you're checking out rotowire.com. And if you're looking for a free look behind our paywall, check out rotowire.com slash pod. Awesome stuff. Your fantasy drafts are probably coming up pretty soon. I hope not now. It's way too early to draft in my humble estimation. Ryan, you agree with me? Yep. Good. 100%. There was a very hard head shake there. So I'm very glad that we are on the same page here. We'll see you guys very soon. And uh, Kalen DeBoer, good luck at Alabama, I guess. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.